Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 180. We'll continue in the Psalms with a brief summary of chapters 107 through 110 and follow with some thoughts about who's right. Psalm 107 begins with four people. Quote, the Lord's redeemed ones say, whom he redeemed from the hand of the foe, four who give thanks. Now these four had gotten into trouble of their own devising. One, quote, wandered in wilderness, wasteland, found no road to a settled town, hungry, thirsty too, their life breath failed within them. Another ended up locked away in a dark prison. Why? Because, quote, they rebelled against God's sayings, the Most High's counsel they despised, and he brought their heart low in troubles. They stumbled with none to help. A third on the brink of death is redeemed. And the fourth, on board a ship on a storm-tossed sea, quote, they reel and sway like a drunkard, all their wisdom is swallowed up, and they cry to the Lord from their straits, from their distress he brings them out. The poet concludes with a vision of God as completely in charge of creation, updated and involved in all affairs, meeting out justice as necessary, once this way, another time in its opposite way, God making barren ground bloom or fruitful land into a salt flat, God elevating the poor or humbling the rich and powerful. Karma's a bitch. The lesson is clear, quote, he who is wise will watch these and take to heart the Lord's kindnesses. Psalm 108 begins with a rousing symphony, quote, let me sing and hymn with my inward being too. Awake, O lute and lyre, I would waken the dawn. Let me acclaim you among the peoples, Lord. Let me hymn you among the nations. And then the poet reminisces from a much better time. The days when God facilitated the occupation of Canaan and divided up the land for the Jewish people. Quote, Let me exalt and share out Shechem, and the valley of Sukkot I shall measure. Mine is Gilead, mine Menashe and Ephraim, my foremost stronghold, Judah, my scepter, Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom I fling my sandal, over Philistia I shout exultant. <laughs> But today is not like those days. Instead, the poet is without a protector. Quote, Have you not, O God, abandoned us? You do not sally forth, God, with our armies. Give us help against the foe when rescue by man is in vain. Psalm 109 continues in this mode, asking God to intervene and protect. Quote, For the wicked's mouth, the mouth of deceit, has opened against me. They spoke to me with lying tongue, and words of hatred swarmed round me. They battle me for no cause. For these foes, the poet asks God for no quarter, and it's not enough to merely smite them. Quote, may his children become orphans and his wife a widow. May his children wander and beg, driven out from the ruins of their homes. May the lender snare all that he has, and may strangers plunder his wealth. May no one extend to him kindness and no one pity his orphans. May his offspring be cut off in the next generation, his name wiped out. And why should the poet's antagonist suffer this punishment to the second and third generation? Karma's a bitch. It's merely a natural outcome of the antagonist's wicked intentions and actions. Quote, because he did not remember to do kindness and pursued the poor and the needy, the heart sore to put him to death. He loved to curse. May it come upon him. He desired not blessing. May it stay far from him. 
Psalm 110 is a prophetic poem in honor of the king, summoning in God's name the king to, quote, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a stool for your feet. God will act on the king's behalf, and it's not a passing fad. Quote, the Lord has sworn he will not change heart. You are priest forever by my solemn word, my righteous king. And on that triumphant note, here endeth the lesson. A David Psalm. The Lord's utterance to my master, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a stool for your feet. The opening of Psalm 110 is at once very clear and a little bit cryptic. I alluded to the whole business of retconning or retroactive continuity in episode 173. In that context, I talked about how Psalm 79 alludes to events that the poet, if it was David, did not experience directly. So after a bit of interpretive jiggery-pokery, all the wrinkles were smoothed out. That is, the medieval commentators, who even then had some sense of timeline, attributed the psalm to David under the influence of Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The fact that medieval commentators were willing to take some liberties with the source text to resolve textual issues says a lot, but at the most basic level, it says that though they respect the provenance of the original, the Tanakh needs a little help with the obvious wrinkles. Indeed, this was the pastime of countless generations of exegetes or interpreters of the text. For centuries, biblical analysis was the wheelhouse of the rabbis. The body of this interpretation is referred to as parshanut, otherwise known as commentary. But once the Tanakh became the foundation for Christian faith, or the Windows 95 to the New Testament's Windows 10, with evidence for the divinity of Jesus to boot, the Tanakh became a battleground between sibling faiths and evidence in answering the question, who's right? The opening verse of Psalm 110 is one of these battlegrounds. David mizmor neum Adonai, la'adoni shev li'imini ad ashit oivecha hadom liraglecha. Let's take the opening one word at a time. Le David is rendered to David. Mizmor, a psalm. Neum. This word's root, nun aleph mem, is still in use today. A neum is a speech. So Robert Alter and others render it as utterance, or more colloquially, said. Adonai, that's God. Now here is the tricky part, the next word. La Adoni. Many translations render this as my Lord with a capital L, as in God. But the Hebrew clearly shows Adoni, with a first person singular suffix. This form differs from the very similar opening of verse 5, Adonai al-yamincha. Hear the difference? Adoni there, Adonai here, the plural suffix, which means that in verse 1, Adoni is not referring to God, but merely my master which means that Psalm 110 is a royal psalm, and the speaker, by referring to the king as his master, would appear to be a court poet. Verse 1 continues, quote, Sit at my right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. This is a prominent theme in most royal psalms. Some Egyptian murals even depict an enthroned pharaoh with feet resting on the heads of kneeling captives. One could easily imagine this psalm being recited during the coronation of a king. One could imagine this psalm being recited at David's coronation, inviting him to sit at God's right hand. Or at the coronation of the future king, the Redeemer, the Messiah. And this is where the Christian exegetes come in. They see this verse and they argue, this psalm is a royal psalm marking the coronation of Jesus at God's right hand. 
This psalm figured prominently in the disputation that took place in Spain between July 20th and 24th, 1263, between Nachmanides, otherwise known as the Ramban, and Pablo Cristiani, a Jew who converted to Christianity and became a Dominican friar. The disputation was a common fixture in medieval academic circles. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event! Let's get ready to rumble! Highly formalized, the disputation sought to uncover truth. There were rules to the process, most important being dependence on traditional written authorities. The disputation between the Ramban and Pablo Cristiani would settle once and for all whether Jesus was the Messiah. It was held at the royal palace of King James I of Aragon in the presence of the king, his court, and many prominent ecclesiastical dignitaries and knights. You can read much more about the Barcelona Disputation in the excellent graphic novel entitled Debating Truth by Nina Caputo and Liz Clark. I'll put a link up to it on the anchor page. In one particular exchange, the Ramban maintained that believing that Jesus is God incarnate was irrational. Quote, The doctrine in which you believe and which is the foundation of your faith cannot be accepted by reason, and nature affords no ground for it, nor have the prophets ever expressed it, nor could even the miraculous stretch as far as this. The Ramban went on to argue that in Judaism, the Messiah is conceived as completely human. If Jesus were in fact born by the Holy Spirit, he would not fulfill Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 11, verse 1, quote, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Because even if the Jesus fetus was lodged in the womb of a woman who was a descendant of King David and his father Jesse, he would not inherit the kingdom of David because kingship passes from father to son not daughter to child. This is when Psalm 110 comes into play. The king himself name checks verse 1, and Pablo Cristiani takes it up. He asks the Ramban who the poet, that is King David, was referring to other than a divine personage. How, he asks, could a human being sit at the right hand of God? Well, the Ramban claps right back. Quote, are you the clever Jew who made this new discovery and became an apostate because of it? Are you the one who bade the king to assemble before you the sages of the Jews to hold a disputation over your discoveries? Do you think we have never heard this argument before? Is there a priest or Christian child who will not present this question to the Jews? This is already an old argument. Nonetheless, the Ramban settles the matter. The poet King David composed the Psalms so they could be sung by the Levites before the altar in the temple. Hence, he was compelled to write the Psalm in a style which was suitable for a Levite. Quote, if he had said, the Lord said to me, the Levite would have been uttering a falsehood, but it was fitting for a Levite to say it in the sanctuary. The Lord said to me, the Lord said to my Lord, that is King David, sit at my right hand. The meaning of this sitting is that the Holy One, blessed be he, would guard him all his life. And this is what is meant by the right hand of God. Suffice to say, there was no way that the Ramban was going to win that debate. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. But having received assurance at the outset that he would be able to speak his mind freely, 
he landed many a blow against the dogma that made his life and the life of his people so difficult in Spain. It was probably all he could do in that setting, and he did it also knowing that the Jews of Barcelona might have to pay a bigger price later. But the king did give assurances. At the end of the disputation, the Ramban was declared the loser, but King James I awarded him a prize of 300 gold coins and declared that never before had he heard, quote, an unjust cause so nobly defended. The Dominicans, for propaganda purposes, heavily publicized their victory, hoping it would influence Jews to convert. The Ramban wrote a stinging rebuttal to the Dominican claims, but the immunity he had had in the debate didn't include post-debate communication. The Ramban thus had to flee Aragon. He never returned. However, in 1267, he settled in the land of Israel and founded a synagogue in the old city of Jerusalem, the Ramban Synagogue, which still stands to this day. So, Happy ending for the Ramban, I guess. But it didn't settle the debate, and it's a debate, I guess, that still rages for some. For us, however, the debate, though continuing, doesn't have the same kind of body count that it did back then. So, happy ending for us, I guess, if we can even call it that. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Tell a friend about TanakhCast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Nachcast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. And it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 181, when we continue in Psalms with the chapters 111 through 114.